Hey everyone, before this podcast begins, we want to tell you about some other arts-related podcasts you're going to love. They are The Conduit Music Podcast, Artsville, Gringo and the Man, Art World Horror Stories, and Not Real Art. On these action-packed podcasts, you'll hear experts talk about creativity, design, the music biz, the art world, visual art, American craft, Chicano art, street art, graffiti, and even stand-up comedy. So be sure to find and follow these great arts podcasts today. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast, where we celebrate creative culture and the artists who make it. I'm your host, Sourdough, coming to you from Crew West Studio in Los Angeles. Man, do we have a cool program for you all today. I have no doubt you will learn, grow, and be inspired by today's show. Before we get into our main event, I want to thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode and subscribe. Your likes and follows help ensure you won't miss any of our new shows, and it makes the algorithm gods happy, which helps us. So thanks for that. Also, be sure to visit our website, notrealart.com. Sign up for our newsletter to keep your finger on the pulse of everything we're doing here at Not Real Art for artists and art lovers. A lot of great stuff there. On the website, you'll see you'll get uh, free educational videos. You can sign up for our artist grant for the chance to receive $2,000. You can buy affordable original contemporary art through our partnership with Sugar Press. And you can become a supporter through Patreon if you want. So be sure to check out our website today for all the good, healthy stuff we got for you. Okay, friends, I have a question for you. How many of you would be willing to risk it all, move to a foreign country to pursue your dreams? How many of you listening to this would leave your comfortable life in your homeland, leave your comfortable job, move to a foreign country and risk it all to pursue your dreams? Well, I know, right? It really makes you think. Well, today's guest did exactly that. And he has an incredibly inspiring story where he left his very successful life in his homeland of Denmark in Copenhagen, moved to Los Angeles to risk it all, was on the brink of being homeless when his art career started to take off. And he believed in himself. He believed in his work. He believed in his vision enough to risk it all. And what I love about the story is that he was making art that he loved. He wasn't trying to make art that would sell. He was making art that he wanted to see and that he loved. And then the world loved it too. And art collectors loved it too. And art buyers loved it too. And started buying his work. And his career now is on fire and is doing so well. The one and only Michael B is on the show today. And if you don't know Michael B, you're about to know Michael B, but you probably do know Michael B because this guy 
his career is taking off. And not only is he making incredible work for his one-man shows and group shows, but he's also working for big brands like Bentley, Mercedes-Benz, Google, American Express. I mean, you might have seen his work in L.A., New York, Miami, London, Germany. I mean, this guy is international. But more importantly, he's an awesome human being who I really enjoy talking to. And, you know, not only talented and smart, but just kind and nice. And I just so appreciated talking to him. So while I haven't been to Copenhagen, Denmark, talking to Michael B. today, I'm ready to get over there. I want to buy my ticket. But without further ado, let's get into this and hear this really poignant story and an inspiring story for all artists out there seeking their dreams and seeking to find success for their career and willing. And what's it take? What does it really take? to find that success because great reward demands great sacrifice as you'll hear today from the one and only Michael B. So let's get into this and hear from the one and only Michael B. Michael B. Welcome to the not real art podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. Oh man, the pleasure, the pleasure is all ours, my friend. You, I tell you what, your career, your work, I mean, it's been such an evolution, not to say nothing of the fact that, you know, you're living, you know, the so-called American dream. You immigrated, you've moved from Denmark, you know, I mean, that's uh, the immigrant story alone is its own, uh, <laughs> its own <laughs> podcast, right? But your journey as an artist is amazing too. You know, I think I read somewhere that you got your start in advertising. Is that correct? Yeah, I started studying graphic design. That's where it all started. Mm -hmm. And it was actually like a five-year-long education. And like halfway in, I decided I wanted to go my own path and be like, be my own boss. And it was actually a difficult decision because I had a really great apprenticeship alongside with the education at a great agency and everything. And I was sitting with huge clients making like movie posters and stuff like that. But I felt that I had to start my own, I don't know, a crazy idea, which would be like a competitive business to where I had my apprenticeship. And they were actually really angry when I um, <laughs> went ahead and made that decision. <laughs> and they sued me for that as well. Uh, however, I did it. And together with my brother and a friend, I founded a design agency called Identity Provider, where we did visual communication, logo designs, web campaigns, like brand communication in general. Mm -hmm. And it was very, very uh, rough uh, the first two years out of a small apartment in Copenhagen, mm -hmm. where we had the business. And after two years, we were able to scale up finally after getting like bank loans and just to survive, <laughs> like barely able to pay the rent. But we landed some huge clients, Chiquita, a Banana, the brand that's one of the biggest brands. And we slowly scaled up, moved to a bigger location. But five years in, had a successful um, company and, and everything. We had more people, but I felt trapped. And that was the start of my art adventure. So it led to actually an identity crisis when I was in my late 20s. I think I was around 29, 28. I had the design agency at that time for like six years. And suddenly I just like hit the wall, you know, mm -hmm. like I was like, I didn't feel that I could express myself the way I wanted to, you know, the corporate design world where everything I was doing was to help other companies to attract certain target audience and help them build their brand, super corporate. And I actually just maybe deep inside wanted to express myself like however I felt like and not having anybody to tell me what to do and just like kind of like feel free. 
So that's how it slowly started. But it was like a f- maybe like a full year where I didn't know what I should do with my life. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, it was super frustrating. And this was all happening in Denmark. Uh, the LA adventure came a little later, but LA was the start of my art adventure. But the way I jump into the art world unknowingly, because I was just following like my passion and my intuition, my brother plays a huge role in all my success and my path to where I am now. And he always like supported me as the creative soul I am. And he's a great business and salesperson and very, very strategic as well. And we have a really really great connection it's like yin and yang or the power the mastermind when me and him we are in the same room like crazy ideas will emerge but when i told him that i wanted to sell our design agency to pursue like my artist dream he was actually pretty supportive because i think he felt that me and he was also like burning out a little i think he felt that on me we're both like we need to move on to the next chapter. So we were able to sell the business and I was creating like my art on the side. And the first art piece that I like kind of like showed the world was an abstract interpretation of classic world map. And I named it Vibrant World. So imagine like a, a world map, but completely abstract, like brush strokes, paint splashes, drips, everything super colorful, hence the name, a vibrant world. And I created my Facebook fan page, called it Michael B. I posted uh, one of my first posts of that vibrant world. And my brother was like, I think I can really sell this piece, uh, Michael. And I think we should do like a limited edition print. And we built like a web shop uh, and everything. And I didn't know what to think, you know, like, okay, now I'm just sharing my art with the world now. My first piece ever. And I shared it with them. on Facebook and it went viral instantly and reached like a million people crashed in their web shop and it was completely crazy. So that was like my start of like my art journey. I was like completely like humbled and almost like what the heck is going on? And after that, I actually moved to LA because I wanted to expand the business. And when I presented that to my brother and my parents, like, Imagine like the timeline of events. First, I tell my parents, so this great education that I'm on that is five years at a great apprenticeship, I actually want to skip that education and start my own agency. <laughs> and they were like, actually pretty supportive because they could feel, see the fire in my eyes. And they were like, okay, you go ahead and do that. We support you, go for it. And then five years later, I'm like, okay, that design agency I started, I actually want to sell that now and dedicate myself full-time to my art in Denmark for now. And then, I don't know, before I even had established anything as an artist, I didn't even like had a studio really. It was just in my apartment where I was like painting in a room. I'm like, okay, now I actually want to move to the other side of the world and become a full-time artist in Los Angeles. And then they were like whoa slow down like and they were actually in a kind way trying to talk me out of it and maybe that will be like i don't know i didn't think of like what is realistic or not or i i just had to follow my like my heart my passion on that one and i went ahead even though like the people closest to me tried to talk me out of it and i do not blame them at all because it makes sense in my head now why they did that like i had nothing i didn't know a single person really anything yeah, so uh, that was like kind of the, like the background of led up to that decision to move to LA. 
Yeah. I mean, it turns out, right. Your parents, your friends, they love you. (laughs) They only want the best for you. It's like, you know, be careful, be cautious, you know, that's the love, right. Looking out for you. But at the same time, you knew you had to go and that sometimes you just got to jump, you know, and the story is so inspiring. Hopefully to, to, well, I know to me, you know, I have a similar story in my own life where my parents were like, no, no, no. And I was like, yes, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and I'm so glad I did it. And it takes that vision and that courage sometimes when everybody is, you know, maybe, you know, trying to be careful and cautious. And I often say uh, great reward demands great sacrifice and great risk. And, you know, and thankfully for you, you know, things are paying off. And, and, you know, one of the things that I love about your story is that, you know, you're a testament to the social media culture. And what I mean by that is, you know, with art, art is so personal, art is so relative, you know, who's to say what is or isn't good art? The people should say what they love, you know, and the fact that you were able to put that first painting on social media and then the world, uh, people embrace it, said, no, 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 I like that. Well, I want that. And and so it's such a, I think, hopefully inspir- inspiring to other artists to take that jump and take that risk and just put it out there because you will find your people. Exactly. Like you have all the tools in front of you to promote yourself and build like your own career. And what we did here, my brother and I, was to take full control of my art and build a, a, like a brand around it and not be depending on anybody else, say like uh, galleries or other like third parties that will handle your art. Like we built up like a business like from the first day and that would also put me in a very powerful position and still is that my career it is not depending on a gallery. I do pick some great galleries that I work with today that I really, really enjoy. But it's also important that you have your own business and you build upon that. And I think we kind of like in Denmark, we have a saying like you you take your own medicine. And we had like so many years of experience building brands for other companies. So we knew how to do that. And we did it and built the whole like online foundation and social media communication around my art that put me in a great position. And it just felt good that it's when you are an artist, it's not like you are like a business person, an entrepreneur yourself. Like if you don't know how to do the business, like you have to find somebody to help you do it or else you will just spend like so many, many hours in your studio and you have to get out of the studio and everybody needs to see your art. Like if you want to live like of being an artist, but I would say like, like being an artist, like you have at some point to be obsessed. Like, because if you're not completely obsessed, like when I moved to LA, the first two years I almost lived on the streets, but I was ready to do that. I wanted it so bad. And I still want, I still want like to keep going on that journey, but I wanted it so bad and I had nothing and I was ready, like ready to live on the streets. I'm like, okay, if that's what it takes, then I'm ready to live on the streets, you know, because I want this meant so much to me, but Lucky enough, I did not end up on the streets, even though it's very close and I could hardly pay rent. And I had like a shared apartment with some dude I didn't know and shared bathroom, you know, in like in the ghetto end of Hollywood, uh, super bad. Like, but, but you know what? Every morning I woke up and I was just smiling because I was in LA and it's not raining. Like in Denmark, it was like <laughs> blue sky, palm trees, everything. I really, really loved it, even though business was 
so bad you know i didn't have much at least not the first like year or two it, it was super tough yeah but nobody starts at the top you know well so that reminds me of a question i wanted to know you know why la because i mean was it the weather because you know it could have been new york could have been london maybe it might have been miami maybe if you want a good weather like yeah as a contemporary artist i mean those markets those cities are great cities why la so i had several trips to LA before and I've been traveling a lot. I think that's also why I, I painted that world map as one of my first pieces. Like I really love traveling and exploring the world. At that age, I had already seen a lot of the world and and one of the cities that really like talked to me was LA. I love so many places in the world, but it's a really a different feeling. Like, can you imagine living here? Like I also love Miami and I love New York. But I just didn't have the feeling of like, I can see myself living here. I can identify myself with this city. So that was step one. Yes, the vibe, like the people, like super open-minded and welcoming. Everybody around you would just like embrace your success and high-five everything that you do. They're really, really awesome. Talk with like random people on the street. I was, I was not used to that from, from Denmark. So it also changed a lot of my personality, like a little like um, introvert personality I have and I still do. And so that was really awesome. And the business side of it, the whole art scene, the whole like urban graffiti scene, uh, more mature than Denmark. What I mean here, like a lot of galleries, also more competition. But I also uh, saw like, okay, some of the best artists in the world, they are in LA. Mm. I want that. Yeah. I want that. I'm not competing with anybody else. I'm only competing with myself. I just want to see how good I can get. But if I don't surround myself with the best, I will never find out. So I wanted that. Bravo. That's great. And did so where's your, okay, the brotherhood. I mean, your brother. I mean, you guys are like the dynamic duo. Is he here in LA now with you? Yeah, he is. Okay. So the first two years in LA, I was here by myself and he came and he was like building up like our uh, business in uh, Europe. Meanwhile, and he will come over like several times a year and we will go pitch galleries and go out and network. And then after two years, we were in a position where we were like, okay, things are starting to grow here in LA and it makes sense for him to move over here. He also wanted it so bad. He was like, okay, I can see why you live here now. <laughs> he loved it. And, and he was like, okay, initially we got him like a, a visa and like, yeah, maybe stay for a year. But now he's been living here for plus like five years now. <laughs> so uh, it, it's really good to have him we're like best friends as well that's so cool who's older so i'm three minutes older three months older <laughs> three months older. What? three minutes three minutes okay that's three say. minutes how does three yeah. months work uh yeah. so you guys so you're twins i didn't know that's amazing exactly. fantastic uh, fr like fraternal twins yeah yeah um, oh that well that that makes a lot of sense now that you guys have such a good kind of uh yin yang you know yeah yeah exactly Exactly. Right on, right on. And isn't it ironic, right, that you had the successful brand agency that you walked away from, was sold eventually, to pursue your art, and now you're working for brands again because they want your art and they want you. Exactly. But this time is different, my dear friend. <laughs> this time I, yes. I do what the fuck I want. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. You have the leverage this time. Yes. And I really love that. And it's a win-win. Like they love what I do and I love what they do as well. Yes, and yes. I yes. get to experiment with my art and suddenly 
like get it out in different ways than mm. just a mule or a canvas. Yeah, right, right. Like so many other opportunities to work with brands, uh, which I really love. Yeah. Yeah, I've said for a long time that contemporary artists can learn a lot from commercial artists. You know, the combination. I mean, I actually got my start as a graphic designer in Chicago working in advertising long, long time ago. And back in those days, in the late 80s and 90s, I mean, there was a real wall between fine art and commercial art. Like, you know, those those worlds didn't really join forces very much. And then technology over the last 20 years really just kind of blew that wall away and there's this cross pollination now between commercial art and contemporary art in a way that it didn't used to happen but but commercial artists you know photographers art directors illustrators copywriters graphic designers i mean they're if you're working for an agency right i mean you have to think about your business you have to think about billing your time and your hours you have to work in a budget you have to do a lot of these best business practices. And, you know, a lot of contemporary artists don't learn that stuff, you know, making art. But now there seems to be more artists like you who maybe come from that world and they're bringing that kind of acumen and that kind of rigor. But I think there's a lot to share, a lot of learning there between those two worlds. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's also like a fine line. And that's also this, like we see like the whole art world is changing. And, but I also love that how this all started for me was the graffiti world and like the whole hip hop culture came to Denmark, like in the mid eighties, I was born in 84, like, and in the early nineties, I was seeing like the break dancing, the DJing and the graffiti and everything. And the first time I hold a, like a spray can in my hand, I think, I think I was like 15 years old, like in the year 1999 or 2000. And I even started break dancing as well. And, but people are still thinking the day to day that, Graffiti is this like illegal and it's vandalism, but you will also see it as museums and it makes it like such a unique art form. And I'm super proud to have like my background and my roots in the graffiti. And it also make the way I think when I paint my pieces, the compositions, the swing, the bending, um, the dynamics, my choice of colors, my different styles has its roots in the graffiti and I still paint graffiti a lot. So that whole thing is changing and combine like exactly what you said with graphic design, like graffiti and graphic design, those two worlds melded together for me. And like, that's how I created like this signature style I have now are from those two worlds. And I also like to walk that thin line in between the, fine art world and the like the more commercial world because i think you can really show what like your design and your art language is capable of it's not just like an art show it's also like it can be like a brand collaboration it, it can be like a mural it, it can be like like an exhibition or i also had my own exhibitions where i will take over like a venue the last one i took over ten thousand square feet venue in uh, Copenhagen, just me and my team, and like no gallery involved or anything. Um, and I think it was important to show, especially it's been done over here in LA several times, like beyond the streets of Shepard Ferry's last solo show with the warehouse show, but it's not been done in Denmark before. So I came back to Denmark. I wanted to show something that has not been done before and maybe also 
send a message to the galleries. No, I'll never do that. <laughs> uh, no, but you know, I I just think it's important to take like I believe everything is possible, and I thought it was a really really awesome thing to do in Denmark, and it inspired a lot of other artists because I came back with my LA mindset to my home country and a tan too, right? And a tan too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also that exactly. Yeah, and I might just do it again um, yeah. soon. Right on, right on. So Who knows? how old were you when you thought to yourself, I'm an artist? I think when I did it as a hobby, I just painting graffiti, like I was thinking, I'm all thought myself as creative or I can draw or, you know, stuff like that. I think I had the feeling when I painted like my first mural in LA, it was like my first like real like a commission mural. It was from for uh, American Express on Santa Monica Boulevard in Hollywood, and it was so out of my comfort zone. Like it was the first time I projected like my sketch onto a big wall, and I was supposed to use a lift and everything. I was super nervous about it. I, I'm like, why did American Express hire me to do that? I'm like, I was. It was really, really crazy. But I sent them like my like concept and they love what I do. And then I work with, you know, Hari Johnson. She was one of the f- the first art people in LA I made up with. And she helped me a lot into the art world in LA and helped me to get that American Express mural. And when I was done with that, because when I was painting, I'm like, fuck, I'm like, even though I've been painting at that point, I have been painting graffiti for almost 20 years. And I knew everything about a spray can, like it likes, but to do like a real, like paid job like that for like a huge brand, that was different. But when I was done with that, I'm thinking, okay, now I'm an artist. Like it was like, get on the other side of that. So yeah, that was really, uh, and you know what? Everything when I moved to LA was me jumping straight into the unknown. Like I didn't know what I was doing, like really. And I didn't want to think too far ahead. Like, what about this? What about that? I was just jumping straight into it. And then I just hoped that I would find the answers. But I really love that in like embracing the unknown because that's where you really, really grow. And the most amazing feeling that I chase on a daily basis is to show to yourself what you are really capable of because everybody here everybody that listened to this that you are way better than you think you are way better but you will never find out if you don't like get out of your comfort zone and discomfort is the only way you can grow all your success all the stuff that you want will require discomfort a lot like so much failing so much like everything will look really hopeless and impossible and when it does look impossible, just remind yourself that it's the power of growth. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, what you're saying resonates so much because I'm just thinking back in my own life and all those times that, you know, I sort of took a big jump. I took a big leap. I, you know, risked, uh, you know, a lot or just changed a lot and, you know, realized I was too comfortable. And it's like, no, 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 you know, I'm going to go this way because, I want to challenge myself, you know, and, and, you know, you got to believe, you know, there's a sense of courage, you know, you got to have courage. You got to have, you know, uh, perseverance. You got to have belief and hope and faith, I guess you jump, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out, but oftentimes it does. And even when it doesn't, you learn so much. 
you know, and I'm thinking of so many artists who, you know, it's so interesting that you said that that people were telling you or that, you know, we're, you know, people are better than they think they are, you know, and it's so true. It's like so many of us have like this imposter syndrome, you know, or we're insecure or whatever. And, you know, if we just, we have to believe in ourselves and jump and, you know, listen, I mean, to be fair, it's like, I have so much admiration for your story because if, if I, I mean, if I just decided I want to go pick up and move to Copenhagen, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the language. I barely speak English. You know, I have nothing but uh, nothing but mad respect for anybody that's going to pick up and move, let alone to another country and let alone, you know, in a whole new career, you know? Yeah, it's definitely, um, those huge life-changing decisions, you don't have to move to the other side of the world. or Maybe everything you need is just right around you. But I think what we're just trying to get to here is that not much will really happen if you play it safe. Mm-hmm. And we're not here for a very long time. Oh, and I'm just like, sometimes I even tell myself, let me just go out and get rejected. You know, I want to go out and get embarrassed, you know, go out yeah. and prevent regrets, you know. Mm. Mm. Because in some years, and you're sitting at your home when you're 80, 90 years old, and you think back of your life, I really want to put on a smile on myself. They'll be like, damn, I did some stuff. I really did some stuff. (laughs) And it's counting now, you know, and procrastination is one of the worst things. I do tomorrow, I do tomorrow, you know, Mm. but it like every day counts. That's right. Every day counts. We don't have, you know, we, we never get this moment back, you know, and life does go by like that. Life goes so quick. And if we don't seize the moment, it's no good. So what did you, I mean, you're building your brand, Michael B. And yet you helped so many brands over the years market their brands and build their brands. What are some of the strategies and tactics that you learned uh, running an agency, helping other brands that you apply to building your personal art brand? What you document and the content you create, because that's kind of like the, the reputation and the perception you put out there, like what do people see and how do you want people to like feel about what they see? But I like this way more creating my art business because I'm not painting for anybody to like it. Like I just paint what I think looks really awesome. I just paint what I love to do. And I'm just super thankful that people just happen to like it. And it's very important that you stick to that. I will never like please anybody with my art. Like, oh yeah, I'll, now I think people, they will like pink and this combination or whatever. So I'll go ahead and do that. No, never, never. So you stick to your thing. And I also think that's where you'll create your most amazing pieces is when you're just like, like razor focused, creating like your like what's in here, like you really listen to yourself, your intuition, like you're get your DNA on the canvas because there's only one of you. If you can capture that and tell that story, then it will always be unique, both like in visual, but also like in video content or text or great podcast like yours. <laughs> but I think, yeah, right. Um, thank, you, thank you for that plug. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take um, it. <laughs> But I think if you're able to like create a business for yourself as well, you're able to sell your own pieces and your own like your own prints. I also think it puts you in a great position. Not saying that's the only recipe. Like I know I, I know like a lot of artists over here that have like tons of different ways to do it. I also think the first 
thing you should ask yourself like what do i really want in life what is my ultimate goal like really be super clear and specific on exactly what you want and then from there we can start like work out okay how do i get that? how do i do that and people that are in a position where you want to be you surround yourself with those people and watch how fast you will level up mm mm that resonates so much. And, you know, I've often, and you're hitting on a couple of key points. The first point you're making is sort of the importance of finding your voice, right? And obviously you talk about, I mean, you're a painter and, you know, visual art and, you know, having, finding that, that aesthetic that, that pleases you is number one or finding that voice, your voice, you know, something that makes you, you, that makes you unique. The thing that makes you unique in the yeah. world you have to find that and you have to own it and you have to you know just be proud of it and be unapologetic unapologetic about mm. you know who you are and what makes you happy and that unique voice that you bring to the world number 1 and then but even before that to your point about knowing what you want i mean that's about vision you know and what makes me sad sometimes is when i talk to people I mean, there's a lot of people out there that just don't know what they want. You know, it's like, it's like, it's, and, and that's fast. I don't understand that. It's like, that's a tragedy, right? Like, but it's an opportunity. And I encourage people to spend the time and energy, right? In the hard work to figure out what you want and figure out what your voice is. Because at the end of the day, that is what's going to make your life a fulfilled life. But it also comes down to how bad you want it. Yes. Yes. Because when, you look at like some of the best actors in the world or, or oh yeah, I want to be like George Clooney or whatever, but do you want the journey to get there? Right. Like not many people. No, want they don't that, want to do the work. Know? Yeah. But I really believe that all people doing like extraordinary things are actually just ordinary people willing to do the extraordinary, doing what most people won't do. But they're actually just ordinary people willing to do so, like to having so much work ethic and discipline that it will make them look extraordinary because everybody around them is like, fuck that. I'm not doing that. I'm not right, working right. like 120 hours a week. Like I'm not getting up at like 5 a.m. and take a cold plunge and meditate and do yoga and blah, 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 blah. All these like mm. morning routines of, of elite performers and, and do all that stuff. But that is what it really will take to get you to the top will be some very, very strong routines and work ethic and the, like, the ability to stay positive no matter what happens. You will still see as a way of learning. Oh, and that way you can't really lose. You either learn or you win, right? That game-winning mindset. And if you don't have that game-winning mindset, you work on it like you're willing to be a lifetime student and learn every single day and a real genius and a real smart woman or man know that they don't know anything. And the more you read, the more you study and the more you talk with people, you find out like, damn, there's so much stuff to learn. And all the people that think they know everything, they will not get anywhere. Sorry if I'm hurting anybody here. It's <laughs> fucking true. <laughs> you're, you're speaking to me. I, I was convinced that I do everything. Now I realize I know nothing. You're so right. And, you know, you're hitting on so many things. I mean, this idea of being open, being vulnerable, 
being, you know, a constant, you know, learner and a constant student of craft of life, of craft of your craft or whatever, just constantly improving, constantly growing, never plateauing, you know, or at least realizing that, you know, you got to keep just, you know, moving forward. Otherwise we get complacent and, and maybe you stagnate and, you know, we don't want that either. But I mean, you know, but then you also talk about the work and the sacrifice that people put in. I mean, there was that book of, you know, that came out a few years ago that talked about, you know, expertise and, and how, you know, most quote unquote experts have like 10,000 hours of practice that goes into their craft yeah. or their practice, like whatever it happens to be. And, you know, and that's just, that's baseline 10,000 hours, you know, a 20,000 hour person, you know, a 30,000 hour person, like when you see yeah. one, right. You're like, you know, so there's all that. And then, you know, and to your point, like just going back to your story, I mean, you have to be committed no matter what. And here you were in a foreign country and a foreign land, willing to be homeless, willing to be, you know, living on the street for your vision, for your dream. And, you know, it could have gone either way, but you stuck with it. And here, you know, and I just hope that that's so inspiring to people because that, Unfortunately, it's what it takes. I mean, you know, I don't know about Denmark, but here in America, you know, I feel like we live in a culture where it's like instant gratification, you know, oh, yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going to be an influencer on social media. It's going to make me famous and I'll be rich, you know, and that's so much a fantasy and not reality. Yeah. Maybe like a very, very few, but you will get so disappointed and you will also find out that probably... I don't think this was for me anyways, but if you go on a journey where you just like, okay, if you don't know your person, then like you will always find it. If you keep searching outside of your comfort zone, that's where you will find what you are supposed to do. And it took me like a full like identity crisis and to hit the wall and all that stuff to really make that jump. And it takes time. Like it's super tough, but it's also freaking amazing when you sit and you look back at your journey. It's like, damn, I've been through all this. Like, it really builds you and keep growing you. But hey, I'm really just getting started, and it feels like I'm still so like new because I have so much stuff I want to do. And I hope this amazing journey it will never end. Like when people are like, oh, you really made it. I'm like, I don't want to make it because does that mean that I will just be at, right. at the same place i want to keep making right. it or keep right. like yeah. move on and that journey right. and, and that journey into this unknown country and i will just keep climbing and climbing and keep having fun and challenging myself and you know it all comes down to happiness right and i think if you found your purpose you will be fulfilled and i think that's uh, like kind of the recipe to happiness is purpose and fulfillment but also another thing i want to share with you is to be in in the pursuit of your potential because when you are in the pursuit of your potential and you have those moments where you're like wow like i was capable of doing that i really pulled that off then you feel inspired right really inspired and when you are inspired you're also really really happy and everything what we want in life is to be happy and i think freedom as well and if you are living out your like your deepest passion and and you wake up every day and be like yes a new day then you were free a gave me wings i feel when i moved over here i felt like i had wings to fly like that that something was holding me back and i think 
that LA was the end, like moving to LA, but also like go all in my art, in my in following that path with my art. Those two things kind of like set me free, but I didn't know. Like I had, when I was kind of like burning out, I had some session with a business coach when I had the design agency and I did like a very comprehensive personality test and a lot of stuff to like find out like what's up. And she asked me, Michael, are you burning out? And it really, really hit me because I thought that I was supposed to be in the design and advertising world for the rest of my life, like have like a huge office, super corporate world and everything. And I was like, fuck, I think I'm burning out. Like it, this is not for me anymore. When I came to my realization, it was mind blowing. And that was like the first step into like making all the things happen so I could sell the agency, start my art practice, move to LA, like step by step by step. And here, yeah, I think it was in 2000 and it's more, maybe like 10 years ago, I kind of like transitioned, maybe nine, I think it was 29. So like almost nine years ago when I transitioned into that. And yeah, when I think I'm really almost getting like the chills here when I share with you, because I remember like everything about that. It was like, I really became like a new person, like a better version of me. I think. And I just want to be the best version of myself. Definitely. I'm thinking of, I'm listening to your story and I'm thinking of the, of the butterfly, you know, the chrysalis and the moth and the, you know, that becomes or the caterpillar that becomes the butterfly. I mean, you know, it's sort of like, that feels like the process that you were in because you basically were reborn. Right. And, but yeah. you had a crisis, like, you're like, you know, you, you know, to say you had a identity crisis, you know, you know, such a young age, because, you know, whatever you were, late 20s, 30s, whatever. I mean, that's young, right? And you were clearly burnt out. And, you know, but you, you know, it's a, you know, it, thank goodness that you were able to honor that and respect that and take care of yourself. I mean, one of the things that, and get through that, because you did honor yourself and take care of yourself. I mean, one of the things that I'm, as I'm listening to you talk, one of the things I'm wondering about, because it, it seems like you, and this is my interpretation, I could be wrong, but it seems like you're pretty disciplined and rigorous about yourself, you know, and your your certainly your work and your brand, but but it gets to you've mentioned things like high performance, you've mentioned things like routine. You know, I see you drinking out of a protein cup like I have here over there. <laughs> you know, I'm <laughs> I'm wondering what is your routine? Like what do you do to stay healthy and stay protect you know, stay productive and honor yourself? Because at the end of the day, right, if we don't honor ourselves, we're not gonna be, you know, producing good work. So, yeah, I can quickly touch that subject. And now I've implemented a lot of routines, but, and it may sound like a lot, but it's not a lot to me because it starts with one thing and then you just slowly add like one more habit and one more habit and it becomes a part of your life. So going to the gym and work out has always been like a part of my life or sports in general. My routine now is that I will get up at like 6 a.m. and then I will do like what do you call it? Like, I will say thank you. I really mean it. I do that every morning and every night. Like, thank you for like, and it's just like super small stuff. So the yeah. first thing when I wake up is like, and I my alarm on the phone is bird song. It's not like some stupid alarm. Right, it's like right. some like jungle waterfall bird song, like super nice. And I'll just wake up like really calm and be super thankful for whatever it might be. I'll get up, get ready for the gym and I'll go to the gym for between like 60 to 90 minutes, I'll go back, take a regular shower, and then I'll do an ice 
cold shower for between like one and two minutes, which is a newer thing. I think I implemented that like three or four months ago with the cold shower, but it's a full on game changer for me. I like to prove to myself that I, in the early morning, by my own willingness, jump straight into discomfort in that early in the morning. That means that not much can like shake me through the day. Like I, I will be able to handle most things during the day. So I'm really just trying to set the tone and prime up the day like very early on. Have a great like healthy breakfast routine with like uh, a lot of like superfoods, like berries, oatmeals, um, stuff like that. And then I will go to the studio and then I have like a two minute vacation every day as well here in my studio uh, where I will just do like I practice mindfulness as well. So it'll just be like a two minute vacation, which is a med- like a meditation, but I'll usually do it like outside and just do like two minutes of, it can be of anything, but where I, I just relax and do like a two minute meditation. And that's like, usually at, I will do, I have like 30 minutes of commuting. I live in Beverly Hills and my studio is in um, downtown and those 30 minutes I'll put on a, like a podcast or audio book or stuff like that or call my parents or something like that. It's trying to get the most out of it. Yeah, so that was like only scratching the surface, but that's like the the like the main and, thing. And that's and, pretty and, consistent every day. Like you're faithful in that routine, generally speaking. Like most, yeah, that's I, generally I, how I, every day goes. Yes, I go to the gym five times a week and I, I repeat that five times a week. And it's very, very important to me that when I wake up, I don't think. Like I don't think like – like I already put out like my gym clothes. I already like lined up. So you just kind of like roll out of bed, get into the gym clothes. Uh, so you don't, so your brain right. doesn't start to think, oh, I don't want to go to the gym. Or like right. all the, the chatter in your mind, blah, 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 blah. Yes. And <clears throat> that is super important because then like you build like really strong like habits and rituals that way. And you also prove to yourself that you're not a slave to your brain. Mm. Mm. who's controlling who <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. right and having that discipline having that rigor but i mean you know it's also i think what you know you said a minute ago it's like little things too just adding a little bit you know not trying too much too soon i mean anybody listening to this you know because i you know for me self-care health wellness his, well, I've always tried to prioritize it, but of course, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, I also do like wine and whiskey, you know, like, you know, but, but I like tequila as well. I also like yeah, well, tequila. Hey, yeah, on, yeah, like. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like a lot of artists, a lot of creative people maybe don't prioritize self-care. I could be wrong. I hope that's changing, but because physical health is connected to mental health and, you know, we can't make our art and we can't be our best if we're not, you know, looking after the old uh, machine here and that's it, you know? And so I just, I always say, I'm always curious what artists are doing, you know, to self-care, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't think it's, it's only like for artists or like, but we can, always just get healthier and if you just keep just sipping it up a little like every day or every week but i want to be able to perform at the very best and i when i'm in the studio i've all already done all these things like i've done a gym i've done like meditation i've done like a cold shower all these things are just like stacking it up uh, so i'm in the studio i'm just like okay let's fucking take on this day it's a super powerful feeling and i know i will I get the most out of the day in, in that way. But, you know, whatever works, somebody like to go to the gym at night or whatever or run or – but I just think it's it's like your diet and your exercising is such an important thing if you really 
like want to succeed and come up with those great ideas, you know, and be able to take it to the next level. You need to feed your body with the right thing, read the right things and read and eat the right things. Michael B. So what is next for you? What's going on? I mean, as we wrap up here today, I knew what- you would ask. <laughs> <laughs> what do we want people to know, man? What are we proud of right now? What's going on? So I actually just wrapped up a mural project in uh, in Toronto, Canada, and I had a show up there as well uh, with Tech the Taylor Gallery. So I just came back to the studio just last week. I'm preparing for my next solo exhibition, which is I haven't told anybody I'm working on a solo exhibition yet, actually. Right, break it. Exclusive news breaking right here on the <laughs> Not Real Art Podcast. Come on. <laughs> but I can't tell like the location yet, but I will. So that is like, so I'm actually just like slowly getting into like the solo show mode, uh, which mm. is a lot uh, yeah. and even more important, but I do my routines and just like day and night on that. And then I'm working on a lot of other projects. I'm already working on some stuff for uh, Miami for the Art Week in Art Basel and some awesome collaborations. I'm super excited to share as well and some other like group shows and stuff. And it's all like in the works. I'm just about to like, make it like more public very soon. So I think this will all be a secret for now, Uh, (laughs) but I'm I'm excited to be able to share it all with you. Well, we love secrets. Secrets make life exciting too. You know, it's uh, can't always be, we can't always be just, you know, transparent about everything. We got to build some mystery, build some drama, build some uh, traction uh, through mystery. I love that. And, uh, Michael B., I'm, I tell you what, man, I'm so honored and grateful that you came on and talked with me today. And, you know, it's just so great to connect with you and meet you, at least over the interwebs here. I look forward to coming and actually meeting you in person. We'll do that uh, soon, I hope. But will you make me a promise? Will you come back on the show as these secrets become more public and we can talk about them more? Will you come back on? Yeah, yeah, that, that'd be fun because... We will remember this moment now, like I can share it, you know, and then when I'm in the middle of it, I'm like, okay, let's, let's talk some more. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on my friend. Well, I tell you what, Michael B, you're awesome. Thanks so much for coming through. Shout out to our friend, Heidi Johnson for connecting us. Hi, Jinx PR, yes. making it happen for artists like us and, and artists, other artists too. And uh, so it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, Michael Heidi, B, you're awesome. Amazing. Yeah, she's awesome. She's been a very important part of my journey. Yeah. 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 No, we uh, love our Heidi. But um, all right, Michael B, man, you have a great weekend. And, you know, I can't believe it's Friday night. It's like uh, it's it's almost a happy hour. It's happy hour somewhere, right? Uh, (laughs) Okay, my friend. Thanks so much. Uh, Don't go anywhere. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Not Real Art Podcast. Please make sure to like this episode, write a review, and share with your friends on social. Also, remember to subscribe so you get all of our new episodes. Not Real Art is produced by Crew West Studios in Los Angeles. Our theme music was created by Ricky Peugeot and Desi DeLauro from the band Parlor Social. Not Real Art is created by We Edit Podcast and hosted by Captivate. Thanks again for listening to Not Real Art. We'll be back soon with another inspiring episode celebrating creative culture and the artists who make it.